to the one within all to another episode of interverse podcast and we are rocking it with a returning guest clint richardson he's recently resurrected a 10 year old podcast or series actually in the form of a four or five hour video over on his youtube channel red pill sunday school and i was very excited to just rehab not rehash but like reopen this old can of worms called the bloodlines of the royal families or the elites there really is a there there demonstrating connections between the celebrities who we pay royalties for their mind control propaganda and the royal families that have spawned our so-called elected officials. And it goes on and it is very extensive and it's quite a tangled web. So we're going to talk about that with Clint and, you know, find out maybe what happened to that research 10 years ago, which is an interesting subject. And then beyond that, Clint's more recent studies have been basically just burning down all of the BS patriot mythos about how the private side of the legal system actually works and maybe helping us see a path to a more proper utilization of the system that does exist for keeping ourselves out of the public with all of its inflicted rights. (laughs) And by rights, I mean extreme detriments to our well-being and our existence here. So, Clint, it's really awesome to have you on again, man. It's been quite a while. Go back to our archives in the Universe podcast to see four other episodes with him where we talked about his documentaries, Lethal Injection, his straw man book, which you can find at strawmanstory.info. And go, of course, and subscribe to Red Pill Sunday School if you want some sermons, if you will, that you won't hear anywhere else. Clint, my man, welcome back to the Universe. Thanks for coming on tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Oh, okay. So they're saying in the chat that maybe I'm on the wrong mic. Thanks for that. Yeah, that is the wrong mic. Thank you so much, PK. All right. Sounds a lot better now, I bet. Cool. Wow, you sound so different. (laughs) All right. You sound, you sound, ooh, it's like, wow, what a difference. Yeah, there's a webcam microphone and then there's the Now everybody knows how you really sound. This is my real voice. Uh There's some EQ going on here, isn't there? <laughs> I I've figured out a few tricks. I'm maybe not a trained professional like yourself in the sound engineering <laughs> industry, but you know, you figure some stuff out. Very nice. No, sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. And how dare you not let me know before we got going? <laughs> I, I wasn't aware. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Yeah, I 
So you've got experience in Hollywood a long time ago as a sound engineer. And I think everyone I know that has worked there, the old joke that you brought up about, oh, you're an actor, which restaurant do you work at? <laughs> yeah, that's the question that you always that's, ask. Could be a bar. It could be a you know bartender. That's, yeah, that's but anyway, on that subject, maybe you can break us into, you know, what you recall from that lost research or what happened to that research, you know, starting off in the bloodline topic and then seeing where we go from there. Well, so what what really happened was I met a guy named uh, Dr. A. True Ott. If you're not familiar with him, um, probably should be. Does some really interesting stuff. Um, his website is M.E. Minerals, Mother Earth Minerals, so you can find him there. But uh, and he he makes really good stuff. Uh, I've been to his factory here in Utah. We went and interviewed him, and we I, the initial interview was the one we did for Lethal Injection, um, as we are change. <laughs> and then um, he actually we became friends, and he started showing me around a little. He took me down to the Mormon Genealogical Center because really that's where it got popular because uh, they're all about the the family. The bloodlines, right? Um, so he brings me to this, the, the Mormon Genealogical Center. It's like uh, Ancestry.com is their, was their website. And on the wall is this mural that I just couldn't believe because it had, well, it's, it, it basically had the, it was for the church. So it was Joseph Smith, right? <laughs> and Joseph Smith was, was uh, spawned from this woman i'm not sure if i can remember her name at the moment but she is the famous witch from salem that was caught in the woods burying this the record actually showed he showed me the record the record actually shows her going out and burying some hybrid human thing in the woods and she was uh, you know burned as a witch or whatever so this is where the line of um, Hutchinson is her name. Sorry, Anne Hutchinson. You ever heard that? Um, back in the 1600s. And this is the line of George Bush. And, uh, you know, you go, here's, here's Joseph Smith, George Bush. Um, who else was on this? Oh, Romney, of course, because, you know, it was all about the Mormon thing. And then you had the president of Ireland there. Can't remember his name. And you had several other presidents. You had the, the prime minister of uh, England, uh, Churchill, was in that line as well. And it was all they were very, you know, they were very artic, very uh, accurate about their record keeping in Ancestry.com. And I really don't understand why they're so into it, but they are. And that's what really got me going. Going wait a minute, how is it possible all these people are, you know, <laughs> they're all the same family? How does that work? And that just, that led me into genealogy, um, which I studied for months and months and months because it becomes addicting once you start it. You, you can't you can't stop. And so, sorry, my dogs are barking. I just found all this research and uh, since all the research has been taken down, but you can still find, I have the links up and you can type those links into the archive uh, website, um, Wayback Machine kind of thing. But, oh my God. So I, you know, I figure out, okay, all, all presidents are of, you know, peers, peers, uh, 
um, the genial, the main genealogical company in England has been predicting who the U.S. president is going to be every year for 200 years based on the royal bloodline of the frickin' two people that are running. So when George Bush Jr. and John Kerry ran against each other, and in all cases, it's always cousins running against cousins. And fellow um, Skull and Bonesmen. Sure, sure, sure. Um, they, you know, George Bush is the 30, I'll just guess, 36th or 34th great-great-grandson of... Vlad the Impaler going through all the kings of England, and John Kerry is like the 36th. And they're ninth cousins once removed. And you see the whole thing. I mean, we're not just talking about we're not talking about distant cousins. We're talking about coming up through the all we're talking about sons, right? We're not talking about cousins of kings. We're talking about, you know, coming directly in the line of. It's one thing to say. You, know, you could say a lot of people are going to be related to these people, but when you can see two presidents running against each other, two presidential candidates that come up in the same exact family line, king after king, and they are still in the line. It's not. It's the line of secession, right? It's not the. It's not just a cousinship, right? We're not. We're, we're way beyond that. That is what you and me and most other people would see. Oh, look, I'm distantly related to. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, all presidents have been very, you know, descendants, in other words, of of these kings. And, you know, Gore, anybody that's run for president. And the other the other problem is Obama is is a white person. He's from the Connecticut family. He's one generation black, basically. His mother is, of course, white. And from the Connecticut family that I can't remember the name, which, of course, are landholders back from the 1600s. So he's first cousins with Anne Boleyn and, you know, a direct descendant of all these kings. And it's when you see it all together then i started going further i said well it can't be just these guys right because i mean if we're talking about controlling if we're talking about controlling the world what about businessmen right what about ceos and uh you know corporate people and all these different things vice presidents about vice presidents of course of course uh congressmen there's one guy who did an article showed that that uh, 50 that 50 of the 100 uh, senators were cousins of Obama, and he was going to show eventually the other 50. And this was in Newsweek, right? So for a long time, I I didn't really – I mean, I could understand it, of course. You know, I mean, you got to just think of it as a corporation, right? If you have a family, like right? you said you just got married, and now you have a kid. Or you're going to have a kid, right? So you're going to set up a trust or, a, in other words, a family. And you're going to, you know, if you're private, you're going to create what's called, you're going to bear your arms, which is your heraldry. All right? When you create a trust, a family trust, you can create a coat of arms to go with that trust. And you can put everything in that trust and leave it to 
your family. Suddenly the law changes and you don't have to do a will anymore because everything's in trust. There's, there's no probate that just passes directly to you because you're already in the trust. You're already in the corporation. doesn't matter who dies because, you know, for instance, I'm on my, my mom has a trust. I'm a equal shareholder of the trust. And therefore when she dies, the house and whatever she has goes directly to me. Um, without having to be taxed and go through probate. So it never leaves the possession of the family is the point. And that's what these people have been doing. So when we say it's the bloodline, you know, we obviously know about the queen of England and the line of secession. Well, if you follow that line, you're going to find all of these presidents. Well, okay. That's important. Okay. Don't get me wrong. But the question then becomes why, why, What's so important about it? Why, what, what does it matter? And that's where my most recent research comes into play. Because it started as a theory. Now it's just an understanding that 400 years ago, there was a treaty. And it was called the Treaty of Westphalia. And it began a series of... Um, revolutionary things that happened around the world, the revolution in France, the revolution in so-called America, the revolution. Um, basically all these countries were turning into republics. Okay. And we, in the Patriot mythology, we just are crazy about our constitution, which every country has 150 constitutions across the world. And the fact that we're a republic, we're a republic, which means absolutely nothing. It means you, you can, you, you know, you're self-governing or a commonwealth, but it doesn't really, it's not really anything at all recognized internationally. And if you're not recognized internationally, it really doesn't matter. Everything else is internal. So what I found is that you had this sense of independence and revolution and, and, and countries that were separating from the crown and from the Pope and from all. And what, what was happening is that they were, they went through all of these countries. And I, as far as I can tell what we have as our Royal presidents <laughs> and CEOs and everybody of importance, all the actors in Hollywood that you see all related. Uh, you don't really get to be an actor unless you're of the, of the kin. I know that firsthand. Um, so what, what I started seeing is that every country in the world was transformed at first into a Republic, just like we were. And then secondly, into a constitutional blank, whatever the constitution part, which are Masonic constitutions, all of them. Um, every every signer of the constitution, of course, were cousins and Masons, and um, yeah. So you had the royal families essentially go into every country and create what's called a nation state. Now, unfortunately, in the Patriot truth movement whatever we're calling it nowadays nobody seems to know much about the nation state model even though it's basic political science i certainly didn't know anything about it till i started looking and until i understood it i'm like oh my god this is how the world works 
it's, it's again, it's political science. Well, political science is completely shamed and looked down upon in media and entertainment. And, you know, you try to go to school, you want to see, you want to, you want to get a major in political science. They're going to be like, you sure about that? You know, you're not going to, you can, it's not going to take you anywhere. And yet it's how the world works, right? So nobody seems to know basic political science. And we, in the, in the, in the patriot alternative truth movement, we're constantly, constantly talking about how, you know, this is unconstitutional in the constitution and this and this, and this is how America is supposed to be. And none of it's true. Um, I'm, I'm here to tell you that our idea of, of states, what they are, sovereign states, our idea of what the United States is, we have no freaking clue how our system works internationally and that, and that the Constitution is what made the United States recognizable internationally as a nation state. Because, see, what I found out is that California, New York, Rhode Island, England, Scotland, Ireland, uh, Colorado. We, we call these essentially states or countries, nations, right? But internationally, there's only one state. It's called the United States. And it sits in Washington, D.C. Over there, it's the United Kingdom. And it is a nation state, what I used to call the corporation nation. Now I know to call it the correct name, which is nation state. And when you look at the international level, you find that nation states are the states. They are the, when, when the, when the international body talks about a state, they only mean, um, they only mean a sovereign state and states aren't sovereign in internally. So California isn't sovereign, obviously. Uh, you can even read the constitutions where it says the United States is supreme law of the land and all states were forced after the Civil War, after they were conquered by the United States, in other words, by the nation state, to uh, give up all their political, their public lands in, and handed over the territories, you know, the, the power of, of the ownership of the public lands in the states is with the federal government. So what you have is essentially all, all countries. I mean, if you look at a list of all the countries in the world, they're going to say, Monarchy, monarchy, republic, 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 right? Republic of Ireland, Republic of China, Republic of Soviet Union, Republic of America, American Republic, this, Republic, everything's a republic. So I'm like, well, why are we so excited about being a republic? Like anybody's can be a republic. If China is a republic, if Russia is a republic, why are we happy about being a republic? Then you find out that once they were made into or tricked into becoming a republic, knowing that a people cannot be self-governing unless they have knowledge to self-govern, well, then all of a sudden, everybody got constitutions. The nation-state model started appearing everywhere, and the international body was born. We've been in globalism for, I mean, there's 192 uh nations in the united nations right so we've been globalized and what you find is that the head of all these governments these so-called uh nations nation state 
the corporate model of the nation are all run by the bloodline. Right? I mean, I don't know what to say. So this, in my purview, I, I, I now understand this is how they took over the world. Right, this is the United States defeated. It literally says on on the United Nations website that to be a nation state, you have to have conquered the people of the territories that you're claiming. Well, another word for conquer is purchase. In America, we had the Louisiana Purchase, for instance, the Oregon Territory. Purchase means to conquer. It's just a voluntary surrendership, right? So what we, what I'm trying to weave here, and it's very difficult to do because we're so we're also brainwashed. We haven't been America. We aren't Americans. There is no states per se that are recognized in any international capacity that are sovereign. When the Confederacy was created. It wasn't recognized internationally as its own nation state, and therefore they created the Libra Code, which are the basically the rules of war and how to treat prisoners. Yeah, that and are the your, Confederate generals own. and U- um, Union generals were also cousins. Absolutely, which which makes me question whether the whole thing was just a hoax, basically to to conquer the the the, the republics, basically because really each state was a republic. It wasn't that it was a republic. You gotta. Here's the important part, and this is what I. If there's one thing I want people to understand, what has happened? Okay. A nation. When we say the word nation, it is a completely spiritual, unofficial construct. So when the states, or another word for state is people, when the state, the fifth, you know, the the United States, United people, separate but equal, that kind of thing. They all got together. They got in compact to protect one another from this Unitarian type of this universal or nationalist type of government. That's you go back to the federalist papers and read all that. So they wanted, they they wanted a federalist system, but, but the cost, but that was the articles of confederation, right? Once the constitution was created, now you have a nation state or the makings of it. And it's how they're created all over the world. So we worship this constitution as if it's some saving grace, same, some great document, right? But if you actually go and read it, it's, 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 <laughs> it's so bad. Um, the Declaration of Independence is almost in every way opposite from the constitution. Declaration of Independence says we're born equal. We have unalienable rights. Well, if we had unalienable rights, if they ever use that term again in government, there could be no person. There could be no citizen. There could be no status. There could be no lien put against us because we're unalienable. We our rights come from God and nowhere else. And yet, I can read the U.S. Code and tell me what my rights are. Wait a minute. So I'm not unalienable. Because I'm not claiming my rights from God anymore. I'm claiming them from the state, claiming from the nation state, I should say. Now, this all happened um, early on. Everything changed, right? The Constitution was created. Uh, the, court, uh, the courts were handed over to the, uh, the, the executive department. The, um, they, what they would, they would say the law of the water, the law of the sea, 
flooded the law of the land and we became this commercial, you know, interstate commerce thing. And so basically they took over. And once the civil war happened, once Congress went, you know, bye-bye, we're no longer going to be part of this. Once they left and and tried to become their own confederacy, their own nation state, that was it. The Congress is called what's called Synode. It means, uh, I can't remember what it means, but it mean, they're, they're basically there was no more Congress because they separated. They're, they're no longer a union, right? That's what we're taught to believe. But see, that's not how it works. A union is spiritual. I agree to protect you mutually against our enemies and to have, you know, this sort of friendship with you. Right, that's a nation. It can be your language, it can be your culture, your religion. That's what binds the people together in like-mindedness. Same law, the same right. We all agree to live in a consciously spiritual connection to one another because we have the same beliefs or the same values, the same desires, right? The same intention, and that is to be a free people, self-governing, etc. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's how they set up every country. And every country pretty much failed to self-govern. And then the nation state uh, pretty much conquered every country. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the master becomes the subject. So when you're talking about a nation state, Okay, once you be once the nation, the spiritual thing, right, which doesn't actually exist in any tangible or nationally recognized form, once that is turned incorporated into a state, now it's a nation state. Now it can actually sit somewhere like Washington D.C. because it's an actual corporate, it's actual person in law, it's actually something that the legal system can see. Whereas the Confederacy never got around to creating its own nation state. It was never recognized. It was conquered, right? And again, go back to Red Pill Sunday School. If you want to understand all that, you'd be shocked. uh, I mean, again, people don't read these things, but wow. So basically what we're sitting on right now is while before in the nation, it was a self-governing people, the people were the government. This is where all the patriot mythology comes from, right? Government of the people, for the people, by the people. And yeah, not so much because once a nation state gets established, the people aren't part of government anymore. Now you have a conquering military force with a central army, a standing army, which was the number one complaint against the king. And that standing army, even even by the Libra Code, has bases, military bases in all states, which is which is number one in the Libra Code. A military, the presence of a military base shows the mar- the force of the Marshals of Law. We are under military occupation by the nation state, and that goes for every country in the world. The country still exists, but it's basically been nullified because we've all been pulled out of the states of the actual territory and put into the United States through this voluntary citizenship. Guess what? I figured out what citizenship is too. It's called indentured servitude. Okay. They didn't get rid of 
Property taxes is all you they need got to rid know. Of, they, well, they got rid of involuntary servitude, which is slavery. But they didn't get rid of voluntary slavery. So that was 13th Amendment. But 14th Amendment was created as an indenture because all the white people that came over here were indentured. Black people, a lot of them were slaves. And so they just created basically this so-called citizenship, which wasn't defined before the 14th Amendment. And suddenly you had the lowest possible class, which is an apprenticeship, an indenture. The word indent actually means a certificate of indebtedness. I mean, that's, that is your birth certificate, right? Your, your, your parents and you, if you do it, are putting your child into an indentured servitude to the United States, an apprenticeship. The problem is we never graduate. We never say, okay, thank you very much. You know, thanks for the public school. Thanks for all the things you taught me as your apprentice. Uh, it's time to leave and be self-governing. No, we're all caught till the day we die in, in an indentured servitude, a citizenship because we're not self-governing. We never inhabit the states. We never inhabit the very thing that created the monster, the military-occupying force that is the nation-state. And this is everywhere in the world. This is how it happened. And sure enough, you look, wherever you go, you're going to find the royal family. This is how they took it back over, man. This is how... America, this this thing that was happening, this experiment in self-governing, as they say, that's how it was taken back into the into the fold. I mean, it's everything's a lie. Like, and when I say that, I really mean it. It's like we are in a simulation of what the the truth movement and, and you know pretty much promotes or the patriot mythology promotes. We're simulating that notion of being a nation, a people. But we're no longer, a person is not the people. A person of the United States only exists in the United States. We're not acting as patriots. We're not acting as people. We are not Americans. There's no America. It's a nation state. Okay, Egypt is a nation state. <laughs> there is no Egypt recognized as a independent sovereign state there's only the nation state, which is part of the United Nations model. So what does that mean? Where are we at? Well, of all the states in all the world, I mean, the only reason they didn't call these uh, provinces like the rest of the world is because we did actually have sovereignty. Each state had, had, had sovereignty and was private from separate foreign, several from one another. Right? There was, that was actually a true thing. But... Very quickly, that, as soon as they were forced to sign constitutions and declare the the law of the land, you know, the, the Constitution of the United States, their supreme authority, well, yeah, that kind of changed, didn't it? The, they, were, they were said to have limited sovereignty, but really what that means is that internationally, they were no longer, the states were no longer recognized as independent bodies. Now, you can verify this. Just go to the United, get in these United Nations websites, look up the definition of a state. I put it in my all my videos, but I mean, there are no, like I said, I don't know if people in England and Scotland and Ireland know this as well, but there is no England, Scotland, or Ireland in the international body. It's United Kingdom. But they still have the political identity of being from one place or the other. They kept that. And even in the Liber Code, it says that once the conquered territory 
is under the control of the conqueror, that the local customs and government won't be changed until the conqueror seeks to change it, which I think is what we're seeing now. So we've lived under the delusion that we're still under this nation of separate, you know, sovereign states, and that we are the people, and it's this whole romantic patriot mythology that we are are raised by. And the other thing is that's what they're promoting on Fox News. I mean, Fox News is basically a number one fan of the United States because they want you to think that the United States, the nation state, is the same thing as the 50 states, the people, in other words, united in an actual nation. Well, what happens? What happens when you no longer have a people that are united in, you know, by something? We're not, we're not a united people. There's no people. We don't have the same religion. We have immigrants. We have different customs, different religions, different everything. We are a completely conquered. We are completely, there's nothing about our people that is supportive of one another. In fact, we're in competition most of the time. We're talking smack. We're, you know, we're drive-by shootings. We're, we're dry, you know, come on my blog and leave a nasty comment. Nobody is a people anymore. We're not a nation because a nation is a spiritual connection, something we believe in that we'd want to protect. And we don't have that. We've been forced into I won't even say force. It's voluntary. We've been tricked into joining up with this conquering body that was created by the Constitution. Now, how do I possibly talk about this with anybody who believes they are American, they are the people, that the Constitution has anything to do with them or protects them, right? That they get their rights from the Constitution. Some, Some people believe the Declaration of Independence was written after the Civil War, so you can't really help a lot of people. There's a lot of ignorance. There's, uh, as the Bible says, a lot of willful ignorance is what's destroying us. We are a we are a a a, a <laughs> we're a simulation, a hypocrisy. We are a, a complete and absolute delusion of a people. We're no longer the people, but we think we are. We're not under the Constitution, but we think we are. We're not, and the whole system is set up to teach us to, to, to be willfully ignorant. Just to, the whole truth movement. What a bunch of crap. I mean, really, I, I fell for it. I, I was involved in it. I, I admit fully that some of the stuff that I've said in the past, I cringe at. Because now I understand, no, that's not how this is working at all. Because the only thing that a nation of people would have would be the will to be self-governing, the will to be separate and private from and federalist in model, having no strong central government. But we have a central government that claims itself to be God. I mean, it is the supreme power, the sovereign. So... What 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 am I what 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 do I do at this point? Now, having coming full circle and to fruition to finally understanding the international model, finally, finally looking at political science, right? Finally understanding how things actually work, 
And now realizing that everything I've ever believed, everything I've ever been taught, everything the public school system, the my apprenticeship has ever given to me was a lie. That we are in a simulation, a matrix, and that we have no clue, even that we are a conquered people. I mean, I don't, I'm not kidding you when I say you are a conquered freaking people. And I just don't know how to get that across to people. I really don't. That's why I'm making these long videos, trying to, trying to, hoping that someone still has the gumption to sit through a college level freaking <laughs> presentation. But I'm, 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 I'm livid. I'm, 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 I mean, it's not my country. This is not a country anymore. It is a nation state. And this is what's happened to the entire world. And here's what's so important about that. Okay. Just like the states lost their sovereignty to the nation state. Well, if now the states are the nation states, well, guess what's, what's, what's happening? We got treaties, treaties become law. Why? We've got all these international agreements, all this international commerce. The law of the sea has flooded everything. And now, guess what? The nation states, who now have control over the states, are now giving all of our rights that we should have as the people are giving those away. Now we're going to be under the United Nations, which is the, well, I mean, as you, as you call it, the new world order, the new secular, in other words, order of things, what they've been talking about. So now you have a nation state of the world and there's no more states that are sovereign anywhere. The, the, the world, this is how the world government is forming is what I'm trying to tell. This is how it's becoming the only nation state left. So sorry, that's my. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're good, man. I want to, I want to respond to a lot of the stuff in your last, you know, (laughs) 35 minute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> amazing uh, breakdown of, you know, where we're at right now, as you've come to understand, I want to talk a little bit about how we got to this point by backing up and making some, you know, connections that help us see that the state as, you know, the United States is the God of this system, that it's a religious system not just a uh, secular in the sense that people think of that word uh, <laughs> like worldly. So I'm going to do my best to like, you know, connect all these dots that have been forming in my mind while you've been talking. Mm-hmm. And so first I want to just take it back a notch to the word Republic, such an important word. Everybody throws it around is a badge of honor. And <laughs> as I really learned from you, Go to the original meanings of words. Don't consider words just based on what everyone's modern definition is of them. So like, for example, simulation, that means hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. I never get tired of helping people comprehend what it really means to simulate. So Republic is from the Latin res publica. And so it's actually res or ras, ras publica, not just re in the original spelling. And this takes us into an entirely different comprehension of what the word actually meant, what it actually means. If you look into modern etymology, well, they say that the, the res or the ras means an entity or concern. And so the claim is that that's the definition of the word, an entity of the public or the people or of concern of the people. 
But Latin is a descendant uh, language from the Etruscan, Etruscans, Phoenicians, whatever you want to call them, these seafarers that were the priest class and the the merchant class and took the religious system around the world as like what you would call apostles, a word that means sent out. And what the Etruscans called themselves, their priest system, the Rasena. And so you see this in a lot of different places like a, a Rasta, you know, Rastafari. Ras means wisdom and it means head. So what they're saying when they say Ras Publica in Latin, they're talking about the head of the public and is wisdom, the wisdom. And that's the same as where we get the word archon from the Greek, arche, meaning wisdom and meaning head. It actually, in the Bible, the Hebrew of the Old Testament, it doesn't say in the beginning God created. It says, it says barashit, and that means by wisdom God created. So, and there's many, many other links to this idea, but we're talking about the wisdom tradition, which is the mystery religion. And this is a big part of what you were going over in that 10-year-old Red Pill Sunday School regarding the bloodlines and how, uh, you know, part of what they do is they go set up shop, like Mormonism being like a branch of or a type of masonry. And so, you know, as far back as we can go and track whatever this mystery cult is, one of the oldest bottlenecks of their whole system was at the College of Alexandria, where priests were trained in the system before being sent out apostello to different parts of the world to set up their little corporate franchises of this system. And it's important to understand this, that as you know, they went by many names in different regions, be it therapeutes, Essenes, ascetics, monks, ecclesiastics, eclectics, gymnosophists, Eleusinians, Pythagoreans. It goes on. It's a huge list of names. But what's important about them is that in reality, they were all the same order of religionists and they were basically an order of monks who were, in fact, the heads of society, the head wisdom. And this is still the case today. And I think that maybe we've been seeing what look like empires rising and falling when, in fact, the same corporation, the same family has been rebranding its corporation as it snakes its way across the globe in an ever constricting and tightening squeeze upon all corners of it. And so what's important about this bloodline, the the last part of this I want to add to it is that one of the most secret doctrines guarded by this mystery cult from the ancient world was in regards to the seculum, the the age. And they had this belief that every age, the new Lord of the seculum, who was said to be the son of God or the the reincarnation of the first cause. And that would be, you know, Pythagoras, Plato, any great benefactor to mankind would have this applied to them retroactively. But this is the bloodline and then descendants of these famous men who were said to be sons of God, born of a virgin and everything, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the words that they use, I find so funny, they called this cycle the Nero's cycle. And when you look at this word Nero in Greek, the Greek row, which is letter R, looks like RP. And I find it very funny that today we call it nepotism. 
But it's essentially, you know, you look online, there'll be like articles about celebrities who are what there's a, a slang term now, Nepo babies. <laughs> Talking about how like everybody is related to Francis Ford Coppola or a certain you know, uh, a tribe or identification of a certain religion that everyone in Hollywood happens to be part of. They, they wear tiny hats. And, and they'll, so they'll, the thing is, is that this priest class, the last thing I'll say about it is and always has been a family organization. Yes. Just like, you, you know, you have the last name Cohen. It means priest, just like you'd have someone who's a baker, their family line. They were involved with that profession. So the priest craft has always been a family game and it's always been directly tied into either secretly or openly the rulership or the head of nations. So that's, you know, kind of where I'm at with it right now. Yeah. There was a couple of quotes that I read about how the, you know, it's another one that's been sort of really just hijacked and made into almost a public meme is this concept of the Illuminati, right? Where Weishaupt and all those guys, they're, uh, well, they're being kicked out of countries because they're very much like other cultures that we can't name, right? <laughs> Go in and, uh, you know, start economically taking over and stealing the wealth of the people through the economic system, the money system, the, the exchange, the commerce, right? And, you know, Washington is, is kind of famous for actually, you know, clearly stating that he understood that this Illuminati group had, in fact, infiltrated into whatever masonry was that was good, if it was, and that that was who was running the show, right? So when you say masonry um, is behind, you know, all constitutions, the uh, book of constitutions is a Masonic book. Um, and again, I have a Masonic uh, Bible, 1942, that the first thing it says is that all the, everybody in the Civil War was, you know, all the generals were Masons, all the, all the uh, signers of the Declaration, all the signers of the Constitution were Masons, and da-da-da-da-da, along goes. Um, so, You tie that then to the theosophy, um, to the Jacobites, to the Dutch, to the uh, pilgrims, to all these groups that were coming over here. And it's interesting because the whole of Christianity has been warped into this afterlife thing, right? Belief in an afterlife. Afterlife's not in the Bible, right? There's nothing about dying and going to another place in the Bible that isn't purely a metaphoric or a, a an afterthought. It's not. It's not the main purpose of right. But you find that these pilgrims. Uh, what's another word for them? I can't remember. But they they have this this cult that apparently includes all of this this bloodline these people that what they do in this life is specifically to establish themselves in the next life like it's a an occultic belief that what you do in this life will bring you into some form of power or story. and this is why the mormons 
tell you that, you know, when you get real deep into their stuff and they're just masonry light, uh, that you will be God of, you'll be Jesus of your own planet, essentially, when you die, when you, you know, you go through and you, you marry someone, you have, you go through the veil and you're married for life or whatever, whatever terminology they use. And I mean, it's the most, some of the most bizarre stuff you'll ever see, but ultimately it goes back to this theosophy kind of stuff where, you know, it goes into the, you know, it doesn't matter who you harm in this life um, because it's geared towards the next. And that is somehow seeped into becoming the whole of Christianity is this notion that, you know, you must do good acts or you must do this or whatever, and then you'll go to heaven, right? It's, it's real childish, actually, when, in fact, the Bible is a book of law for how to live in this life. So, and, and of course, it says stay away from all these traps, all these legal traps. That's the point of the Bible is it's, it's a law of, law of nature, essentially, which says don't participate in hypocrisy. Don't simulate. Don't uh, take false gods. No, what's the definition of God? Magistrate, president, mayor, uh, judge, right? That's the definition of God in the Bible. But we we read it, we think it means God. So, you know, there's only one instance where it actually refers to nature or existence, which is Jehovah. Um, it's not that God exists, it's that God is existence. And that's the hard part for people to, to grasp. Um, so that mentality has has been put upon the entirety of organized you know corporate christianity which is why nobody practices what they preach or, or actually follows uh, the bible as christ says follow me not don't worship me you know <laughs> but now all of a sudden people are saying jesus is god wait a minute this, this specifically says no this isn't true so everything has been warped by this cult and you can see, you know, as they were establishing themselves in the 16, 17, and 1800s and completely altering, I mean, 100% altering the scriptures to this new um, Elmer Gantry style, you know, fundamentalist type of preaching where that has nothing to do uh, with with what's in the Bible. So um, it's it's... <laughs> We're what I'm trying to say is that is the cult that ha that is in power now. That's the Lucius Trust, which used to be the Lucifer Trust. The Lucius Trust is in the United Nations. It is an accepted. Uh, this is Theosophy. It is an accepted group in the United Nations. Um, so that should tell you a lot, right? This group that wants to wipe out anybody that opposes them, which is they say is about a fourth of the population, will never accept their new new age agenda basically so what happened with all this research and the reason i can't give you specifics anymore is because i did it i had massive massive tomes i was probably going to turn it into a book because i was just like holy crap i can't believe what i've uncovered here and then all of a sudden <laughs> wouldn't be my last case of this happening um my documents you know i did the show put all the links out there, but these documents I had were full. I mean, it was like everybody was accounted for, like every actor in Hollywood, every, I mean, everybody was shown in this 
family sort of tree thing. And all of a sudden, I mean, it took me six months to accomplish this. And all of a sudden, I open up, try to open up my documents. And <laughs> there's a letter and then all this garbage between and then another letter and all this garbage in between. So there was, it was unfixable. I could not open. They were trash. They were some, someone came in and did a, I don't know if it was a virus or whatever they did, but it was only those documents, right? It's Just three documents. Stuff relating to genealogy of this family. Well, yeah, but it had it had so much more. It had all, like I said, it had this deep dive into all this stuff that we're talking about that I can't remember the details of now. Um, but I was at the time, I was like, oh my god, I can't do this again. Uh, I mean, I already learned what I wanted to learn, so I was I was like on to the next thing. But oh my god, yeah, I still have. If people go to the newest upload on your channel, Red Pill Sunday School, at least they'll be able to listen to you list out in exhaustive detail. Naming yes. the names of who's related to who in a sure like that. when I say exhaustive, I mean practically every celebrity you've ever heard of in modern in the modern you know age. And what is mind blowing too is how many of them have changed their names yes. because of anti semitism, and they're afraid people will want to hurt them if they. <laughs> Plus, the what is, their some, real name is. some of them are <laughs> Jews and some of them are not. And yet they're just directly related. And I'm like, well, how's that possible? Well, I mean, if, again, if you go to my, my severely censored episode of, which was number six in the season one of red pill Sunday school, it's called, what is a Jew? Um, you find out there is no such thing as a Jew. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that because I don't want you to get censored. But yeah, it's, it's all good, man. And you know, on that subject, though, there's so much that is predicated on this mosaic history, which is yeah. why I do so much on my channel to demonstrate that it's pure mythos, that you can't be anti-Semitic if there was no such person as Shem from whence anyone was descended. Yeah. And the thing with the royal houses and, and all across Europe, and even this was commonplace in Asia and in North African nations as well. And I think even probably in the Americas, like in Mexico, when it, before the Spaniards came, that who was in power was based on being a direct descendant of one of these three sons of whoever that's, survived that's the flood like, in their mythos. It's never changed. It has never changed. That's the point. And so how can you be able to consider someone less than you or subhuman, you know, because the color of their skin means they're descended from Ham, who was cursed by God and cursed by Noah, if that's all mythos, you know? But if it's real, then you have this justification for why black people are lesser than you or what have you, what, you know, fill in the blank, depending on the civilization well, and the time and, period. But see, here's the important part. I mean, when you go to the, so you got to think legally in legal, none of that even has anything to do with anything. There is no skin color. There is nothing right. When it says white person in, 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 in most of the dictionaries, it specifically says this has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It is the purity of your blood. That's what white. See, when this country was created, it was for white persons. Let's, this, this should be, I mean, you gotta, you gotta talk about this because it wasn't for, right? But, but Barack Obama, Haley Berry, Beyonce are white persons. You gotta understand that because their blood is pure. The, the, the direct descendantship is what we're talking about. We're not talking about 
right? This the color of your skin. Now that that's so low brow. That's for that's for public consumption, right? That's for you. That's so that you'll hate one another and you'll never realize who is actually harming you and who is actually controlling you. You're going to hate one another so you never see who your master is. The master never teaches you his language and he's never going to show you his secrets because secret the what's under the rose in other words the secrecy is the power of the of the secret society basically they make their own secrets there's not like there's anything truth about it right so you got to understand that above all else and nothing to do with skin color it's all about your blood and that's why they call it bloodline right now and I, maybe that's why it's so important for them in the last couple of years to if they want to revamp their system and rewrite the rule book to corrupt so many people's bloods with these cowpokes. That and, and collecting all the information. I mean, why all of a sudden the interest in genealogy? Why is everybody doing it, right? Why is everybody well, we know the answer. They're selling your they're selling your genetic information. If you're stupid enough to send your DNA into a company that's known to sell, I mean, for God's sake, in my in my future well, no, it was in my part two of the wagging the dog at the end. The guy sits there and tells Congress, hey, China, you know, 10 years ago gave the United Nations their intent to create biological weapons specifically based on DNA, on race. In other words, race means family. Okay, let's let's be clear here. Race and family are the same word. So if you're going to be if you're going to if you if you hate racism, well, you you're you're being tricked into not recognizing even your own family. And if you do that, well, yeah, you're never going to have any power because that is where your power comes from. When you, you see how the word race just sounds like Ross wisdom oh, and yeah, head, absolutely. you know, absolutely. like who is the master race, the master right. Ross. <laughs> yeah, and you're considered head of household, the master. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just ancient thinking, you know? Um, but you, you just, you gotta understand that this is legal. When you talked about Latin, for instance, right? English is the lowest possible grammatical set of, uh, of Latin. Okay. It is the Latin, uh, the English set that is basically call it dog Latin. You can look up dog Latin in blacks fourth or in my book, right? Dog Latin, the law, the, the, the language of the lowest possible class. But there's two other levels of Latin, right? There's regular Latin, and then there's law Latin. So when you go to court, they're speaking law Latin. That's the legal language, okay? So it sounds the same, but, it, you know, we're speaking as – the reason they say it's dog Latin is because a dog has four legs. For a, a, a beast of burden has four legs. So they call us – they refer to us as dogs or animals, Um <laughs> Hence the dog tags. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So we're beasts of burden, basically. And uh, when you're when you're talking about the highest language, then you're talking about law, law Latin. And you're gonna these things. These are verifiable things. I'm not just saying this out of my butt, right? So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. This is you know this is why they say oh oh wait a minute, Latin is a dead language. No, it's not. They want you to think it's dead, just like they don't want you to look at political science and and figure out that there's no countries left. There's just nation states that we've been conquered, that we're no longer a people, that the people aren't part of the government anymore, that the government rules over the people, but the people aren't part of government anymore. 
Why? Because the bloodlines are in charge. Um, look, I mean, if you don't want to believe this or, you, you know, you, you'll say, like you said, seven degrees of separation. How about the Kevin Bacon thing where Kevin Bacon is related to all, oh, you know, everybody's related to Kevin Bacon. That's not what we're talking about. If you're going to be in <laughs> you think Kevin Florida, Bacon got his place because he's a good actor or because he's no, connected Bacon, by degrees. Bacon was uh, Francis Bacon. Sir Francis Bacon. What do you think he is? Why do you think he's famous? Is he? No, he's not a good actor. Give me a break. Um, when you're talking about, oh shit, what was I going to say? <laughs> Dang it, lost my train of thought. Um, well, so you're saying that it's not the whole seven degree, you know, yeah, six yeah, degrees yeah, yeah, to Kevin yeah. Bacon. So um, I wonder if I could. I've got several articles on the subject, and I and I I have it listed out on my blog. I mean, I I can send you the articles if you want, where all the presidents are listed um, and how they're related. Because, of course, this information exists. This is what genealogists do. This is how the queen becomes the queen, right? It has to be. They have to take uh, track it, right? So we're talking about. Um... Dang it! I did it again. Well, it just it doesn't uh, need to be obscured by this cult because there's so much distraction and willful ignorance of things like this by, you know, the majority of people that it can be, you know, just like most of this, uh, what you would call conspiracy information that is true is pretty much hidden in plain sight. I mean, mean, you demonstrated that pretty clearly with your with your wag the dog documentaries about the uh, bioweapons research conversations of like, you know, we might we might destroy the world. You know, these scientific public forums and like a thousand people watch the YouTube uh, live stream of these heads of the world deciding what, you know, our fate yeah, and for that, you know, for thinking that I could make a difference and sending that documentary plus a 10-page document with all the quotes and everything, thinking that I was going to make some big difference, I sent that to all the media, all the scientists, all the uh, politicians, I sent it to their their faxes, I sent it to everything I could, every possible power that be, and for that... I was uh, pretty much scolded, censored, and that was the point where pretty much everything started going downhill for me. <laughs> that was when all of a sudden my blog was unfindable, uh, lethal injection disappeared from YouTube in all forms, yeah, and then same thing with lethal injection too. So yeah, it, 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 it was the worst thing I could have possibly done was actually, see, and here's the problem, right? I'm thinking that we have a justice system, right? We think that we have a third branch of government, that all courts are constitutional. No, there's not a, we're in administrative law. That means we're basically an employee being administrated by our employer or an agent, which is what we are, uh, being administered by our principal. When we go to court, we're not there for a jury trial, we're not the, no, we're being administered. It, it, it's completely different concept than justice or equity, right? Now, equity is in the news, but equity is being completely morphed. So you don't understand equity actually means justice. You want to be in an equity court, but we don't have that. We're not third article three courts. We're not nothing. When you go to a court, you're going to a private corporation, uh, 
often owned by the the court building can be owned by the judge. I mean, it's has nothing. And to do you're with pleading legal. to a God because that's what a magistrate or a judge is by definition. It's a religious system. Well, in the old court documents, yes, they used to say, and you can still read those documents where they, if you went to court, you were praying to the God of the court, which is another word for magistrate. Now they use the word plea, but it's the same thing. I mean, vote means pray. Right. So or or plea also means to pray to someone for, you know, forgiveness or whatever. So that's why whenever you burn a candle with your prayers or you give an offering, it's called a votive because uh, that word means prayer. You're right. Right. So, yeah, it's uh, that's why voters don't elect the president. The Electoral College does. But we're not even smart enough to come out of that delusion. Right. We. Billions are spent every year for a public vote of president when the Electoral College elects the president. I made a damn documentary on that, too, but it doesn't do any good. So, I mean, it doesn't do any good to to does good for people like me. Well, yeah, it does. And and I always said I, I do this for people who will teach, you know, my <laughs> these are these are lessons for people who eventually teach the stuff. But yeah, for the most part, you know, doing these d- dramatic, you know, intense, completely sourced documentaries don't do much good in a movement that is based on absolute lies. I mean, just just self-perpetuated, parroted lies. But then again, you, you start to see, OK, well, obviously Fox News is there to support this artificial sense of nationalism, not the people it's there to support the United States as if the United States is the States United. Well, it's not. It's they're captive, right? We're. <laughs> I just don't know. I I don't know what to say anymore because once you see it, once you once you have a grasp of how the world actually works, something we're not taught. We I mean, you have to literally learn all this yourself, and it took me fifteen years, right? Uh, you know, that video I did in 2009 or 10, I, I, you know, it took me this long to come to a full understanding of the way the world works. And now it's it's pretty much, I won't say it's too late. It's just that we're in a cultural, as you said, politics is a religion. I mean, there's no doubt about that. What the truth movement is, is a worse, if you will, lie than the mainstream media. The mainstream media is pretty much just covering up the the truth about the nation state. But we're we're here out here talking amongst ourselves in a religious capacity, getting angry with each other if we disagree, right? As as you know, because that's how we're brainwashed into doing it. And so if I come and say, you know, talk dirty about the Constitution, you know, oh people get so upset. They have no idea why they're getting upset. But boy, are they upset. And even if I point out the law to people, they're still, it's just, it just goes right. Prime because, and it's just the same for any, any religious fundamentalist. You, you know, they're not going to listen to you. And so we have a movement and we're part, I've been part of a movement that essentially is the, it's almost like the people that would be the people to actually fight back, to actually do something, right? To actually be those patriots, or if you will. And I don't like the word patriot because if you break up the word patriot, it's a pat riot, a riot that is pat. Pat means not moving, not doing anything. 
yeah, you're a Patriot. Sure. You're a Pat Riot. You're basically, <laughs> you're basically a force to be reckoned with that is not doing anything. <laughs> you're just pretending that, you know, it's the same thing. You know, it's really the same thing with Christ, right? You're supposed to follow the example of Christ. You're supposed to do everything Christ did, follow the law of God. Well, if you're saying that you're an American, you believe in all these states' rights and the sovereignty of the state, but then you have to act the part. You can't just have the belief. You can't have the faith. Well, because the founding fathers did this, I'm free. No, because the founding fathers did this, you're a freaking slave. It was before that that, that people were free be, to make their own, to, to self-govern. Um, so it's very much like religion where you start worshiping figures in history, right? Fake history. Every All history is false um, because it's, it's, of course, the history of the winners, the victors. Um, but, but it's the same thing. You're worshiping George Washington. You're worshiping guys that actually did something, Christ who actually did something. But then here's all these so-called patriots that aren't doing a damn thing to save their own country, to save their own people. Right. One of the fingerprints of the the priesthood, if you will, is that there are the mythos, the astrotheological mythos is part of all the early history of most nations. Like, for example, the first 300 years of Roman history. And so what that's probably doing is simultaneously concealing some form of like genocide or hostile takeover or rearrangement of things while also codifying like you know putting their stamp on it this is our thing you know but the people accept that mythos as true or some kind of organic legend to that region but we're we're at a good point where we should move towards our our intermission and into the second hour and in the second hour i do want to talk to you more about what you're beginning to unpack at this moment how the truth movement a hopium peddling, parroting, not most most in cases not doing the work or the research to know what they're actually talking about, but more just repeating people because they trust the person they heard it from, which is not, you know, malicious intent, but it isn't helpful a lot of the time. And specifically, we're going to talk about how that is coming to play with the idea of PMAs, private membership associations, what the private really means based on what you've been talking about in recent work versus like how it's sort of new. It's like this new mythology that's emerged just in the last couple of years as almost some kind of kryptonite to the dark, you know, entities controlling the world. And it's sold, it's packaged, it's, you know, put into courses, it's, Take, fill out my paperwork, you know, and a lot of it is probably uh, just a few kicking the can down the road a few years before the system catches up and says, we've, okay, we've, pay me. Yeah, we've debunked, or go to jail. We've debunked a, a large part of it. Yes. Um, and it's easy to be the problem is people don't verify what they what they're told. And yeah, I'll explain all the tricks. I learned all the tricks that that these guys, I call them gurus that they use um to make basically it's a confidence game a con game a confidence game and if you have the confidence that you've done something correctly well then you're not going to know you did it incorrectly until they catch up on their red tape and suddenly yeah suddenly you're you've got a tax lien or whatever it is because you're sovereign (laughs) 
It's hilarious, really. And this is all left over from the tax protest movement, essentially. It's just the same scam re reinvented. And no one in the tax protest movement, by the way, has been successful. Um, there is one, one other thing before we go, since we were talking about the nation, right? Um, now, if I go and I look up the word nation, I'm, I'm in Webster's 1828 right now. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking up the word Gentile. Okay. Why is that word used? What, what does it mean? Well, it, again, Latin, gen, gentilis, right? From the Latin gens, that means basically family, right? But the key word is nation or race. So Gentile and nation or race are the same thing, and it's a word applied to pagans. Okay, well, that's a tough one. All you have to know about pagans is that it's a, it's not the concept of one god. It's, you know, the, the ocean is its own god and this, that kind of thing. So worshiping several gods is difference between Jehovah existence being God or the universe being God or nature being God and right the true Christian, the word in the Bible. So it almost words, reminds me though of the idea of separate and several in the sense of, you know, when you're talking about pagan, that maybe this is, you know, the Gentile thing is could, could be an allusion to pagans or people in, you know, hill folk people well, that were it's, separate it's, and several. The pagan in the, it says in the scriptures, a pagan is a Gentile, a worshiper of false gods. Okay. Well, the first amendment, the first, uh, excuse me, the first uh, commandment says, take no other gods before me, which is Jehovah. Again, nature, existence, reality, truth is all, all, all words interchangeable. Right. So. And it's actually referring not to Zeus or it's actually when you, when you look up the word God, it's saying, take no presidents, take no Kings, take no magistrates, do not take. So as a people in a nation, as we are, so any person, not a Jew or a Christian is another definition of Gentile, which is another word of saying not in a nation, right? So a heathen, uh, but here's the important part. The Hebrews, included the term goyim or nation. So goyim and nation are essentially the same term, right? Uh, so um, men who had not received the true faith and were not circumcised, but circumcised doesn't mean what you think it does. It means to be private from something or separate, right? So when I separate something, I'm circumcising it. But we are supposed to circumcise ourselves from these so-called nations. The Christians translated goyim by the Latin gentis and imitated the Jews in giving the name to all Gentiles, to all nations who were not Jews or Christians. So uh, all nations who were not Romans, for instance. Uh, so essentially what it's saying is that the people of a nation are the goyim. We're not self-governing. We're not following the law of, we're not following a religious law, in other words, which is where law comes from. Um, and really, <laughs> I, I just wanted to throw that in because the way that they control us is by taking that idea of a, like a spiritual nation, not a real thing, 
and turning it into this this corporate model where it no longer has any spiritual value whatsoever. The people are no longer involved in it. The people aren't governing themselves. So that is what it means to be a goyim is to be a citizen in a freaking nation like we are is what I'm, what I'm trying to really say. So if, if you understand the goyim concept, why the Jews say the problem is the, the people in Israel who think they're Jews, that guess what? What do you think Israel is? It's a nation state. <laughs> it's just another corporation it has nothing to do with anything. Right. And even in the Bible, when you look up the word Jew, which didn't really, it didn't exist in the original by there was, there was no word Jew. There were two other words, but it basically means he that is opposed to the new law or the new Testament, new, the Christ, Christ as the personification of law. Funny um, thing very, about very, that very, word Jew is it's also, it, you can transliterate the four letter name of God, yad heh vav as I-E-U-E or you, which is how it would have been pronounced before, you know, the usage of the J in its uh, current context. Tetragrammatron, right, right. It's, it's funny because the Catholic Church was actually responsible for getting rid of, you know, says worship the name of God because it has a specific meaning. It's a verb and it means self-existence and self-evidence, right? Which means, you don't nothing legal, nothing artificial. Truth. Right. And so Catholic Church, even though it's written on all the churches, uh, old churches there, they got rid of it. They replaced it with the word God. King, the King James Bible uh, used it only a few times and then everything else was changed. It was in the Bible like six thousand times. So now you don't know the difference when you're reading the Bible between the word God and the word Jehovah. You think that God is doing Jehovah is doing all these horrible things. But in fact, it's some God, some man, some king. It could be a the destroyer. It could be the right, but it's we attribute that everything to. That's uh, why people think the Bible is this violent. You know, God is this horrible, violent thing and kills children and all that. No, no, no. It's just telling the story. You know, of <laughs> you have to. You can't tell the story of good without telling the story of evil. Essentially, yeah. Like even the Book of Judges. You. That's a great example of how judge actually means God. Yeah. As the character in the book of Judges, Samson, is quite easily identifiable as a solar astrotheological deity. And he becomes the judge of the peoples of Israel. So and who what you know, who judges other than in nature, other than the sun, in the sense that the sun judges when things are going to grow and when things are going to die and the cycle and seasons of all that. And as like, you know, a spiritual representative or symbol of the force of existence or the life force. But you have to be very, very, very careful here because now you're crossing over into some of the theosophic type of stuff. For instance, the movie Zeitgeist was very heavily influenced and, and quoted as using theosophy as again the lucifer trust as its source so you have to be very careful oh yeah i'm quite aware that this system is actually where we get to communism from and the zeitgeist movement is basically just like a sneaky insertion of communism into a bunch of people's minds back in 2007 i fell for it at first oh yeah i loved it i absolutely dug it and a lot of people did guess what else is uh, communist democracy <laughs> you want to know the difference between a republic and anything else it's the opposite of the republic is actually the opposite of a democracy it's self-government 
Yeah. Uh, that all goes back into um, this communist thing does go back to the thing I was referring to earlier with the College of Alexandria, the Therapeutes, the Essenes, etc. It's even in the Bible about, you know, in the Paul sense, especially, I think, give all your stuff to the apostles and let them decide who needs what, you know, that's basically communism. And it's a tricky, fine line to distinguish between self directed personal responsibility, conscience oriented charity versus, yeah, I'll just give everything to the, whoever's the boss and let them decide who gets what, you know, there's a very fine, it seems like a fine line difference because but it's all about, you know, the real the real charity is not centralized control over no. all resources. You they also masquerades have to, as charity. You have to look at who, who qualifies for charity also. Um, and you also have to understand when you're looking or trying to figure this stuff out, you always have to put yourself in the master's purview. You can't understand it from a slave's point of view. So you have to always – you have to be able to, to – play both roles. You have to be able to look at things from the God's point of view, basically the, the higher status point of view. So when we talk about the word vulgar, for instance, right, the goyim of the nations, the vulgar people, well, guess what? <laughs> vulgar means the common people or uh, a child imposed on the nation. <laughs> what does our parents do? They impose us on the nation. We're an imposition, Right. So pertaining to the common unlettered people as vulgar life uh, practiced by common peoples, we're, we're the vulgar people. So you've got to understand that from their perspective. Therefore, they set up welfare and that type of thing, the church model and I, the, the false sense of welfare, the false sense of charity. Um, it's why they can, you know, their universities or hospitals, you, know, you can go to a hospital for free anytime you want. Uh, if you go to the emergency room, you just do charity care. You don't have to pay a dime. People don't know that, and people don't want to be recognized as the vulgar people. But you already are, so you might as well go to the emergency room and get you know, top care because you know the law. There's a whole law that forces them to treat you. I don't know. It's, it's just it's crazy. So th- you have to understand that comes from, the, the again, the Latin, spurious children are bastards. That's where vulgar comes from, vulgo concepti. <laughs> we're spurious children gotten from the people, the offspring of promiscuous cohabitation um, considered having no father. That's why we're, I mean, it goes back to that system. We're all basically the state is our father. If I read you all the court cases that said the state is the, you know, the marriage is a three-party contract between the man, the woman and the state, the state owns the children. You have no say, you know, this, this is why child, child protective services has no, all of this starts making sense. Once you understand what's, we're all born equal, but as soon as you get a status, a person put on you, as soon as you become a person of a nation, like all the nation state, especially, well then, yeah, now you're a bastard. Now you're, <laughs> you're not considered as a man anymore. You're considered as a, a piece of property, essentially, to be managed. So you have to look at things like that to understand the law. You have to look at that to understand why charities exist, right? So, and it's hard. It's very hard to put yourself to, to be humble enough to be able to do that, you know, to say, okay, how are they looking at me? Right. 
Well, it's the same way that you maybe you look at homeless people. It's the same way that maybe you look at aboriginals. It's maybe the same way that you are just as freaking guilty as looking at anybody below you or, or how you perceive them as vulgar. Right. So it's no different. See, we're all in the game. We're all on somewhere in that triangle pyramid looking down on someone else. It's just that they're at the top looking down on us. But the the real problem is that we're looking down on everything else. We're looking down on nature itself. So, yeah, it's a big problem. Yeah, that's a really good point to always keep in mind is a that be aware of projecting your own virtue as much as projecting your own, you know, self recrimination or judgment upon others in particular, the state and those, you know, the intention behind these, the organizing principle of it. Maybe we project a lot of our virtue into that and assume it's there for something other than what it really is there for. And of course that for every master slave relationship, the master is a slave to something above it. You know, and the slave is a master to something below it. That's the only way it can work. And the antidote to that is to reclaim our identification with and our connection to that we never lost existence itself, the eternal organizing ordering principle that is our life force energy, the animating spirit of creation. And so as we close out the first hour, I'm going to link to our Rockfin stream for people that want to join us over there. We're going to get off of YouTube and head over there in just a minute after a short break. If people would like to get in touch with me for a biofield tuning session where I can help you figure out what kind of mental blocks might be concealing your own connection to the life force energy or Jehovah or existence and the flow of that we can work together Been having an awesome results with friends and clients lately doing many, many tunings. So I'd love to get y'all on the calendar interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing. That's kind of a misnomer of a URL. The sound is not healing you your own rewiring of your thought process and removal of limiting beliefs and expectations about life that are holding you in forms of this master slave relationship is really what is the healing. What was that Clint? It's so funny that you say that because one of the things I was going to talk to you about is like, dude, I'm thinking about starting a new religion. It's a religion of non-belief. <laughs> like the religion of you mean truth. unconditioned raw potential like of our own energy. Yes, self self existent truth and no other. Nothing artificial. Nothing unreal. Nothing legal. Nothing. No names. No titles. No surety. No bondage. No persons. Not just the truth. The religion of which I think is what Christianity was supposed to be in the first place. I think that there's definitely something to that idea. And by Christianity, maybe even way further back than what we have in the midst of time and history, whatever this system derived from, whoever it was that figured out the constellations and attached mythology to it that describes nature so well, you know, these are some enlightened thinkers. These are people that were playing in a uh, on a level field where the price less the pricelessness of nature was probably more apparent, you know, that they could see the God within them and the God within all other things. And this fractality that is the truth of what our existence really is, instead of this compartmentalization, separation, false, (laughs) false hierarchy, as opposed to natural hierarchy. we're, We're in this movement, as we say, we gather together because 
we don't know because we're so it's not we're gonna be a 501 c3 is it right and then well no yeah we'll talk about that. Um, no, no. And if you think about it that is what the, the the so-called movement is is a bunch of people who who are confused and who come together and confuse each other a little bit more and so that you know no one has confidence no one has knowledge but we have these ideas of things that are happening and I just want you to imagine, seriously, having a life of no beliefs, having no beliefs except what you know is true, having the confidence, right? And when I say that, I mean having faith. Like, no, I, I, don't long, I don't believe in personhood. I don't believe I'm a person of the United I don't believe in history. I don't believe, or I should say I don't love the idea or care for it or let it rule my life that fucking – excuse me, that George Washington crossed the Delaware doesn't, doesn't change anything in my life, but it's a celebrated moment in history that has nothing to do with anything, right? What, what they did back then has nothing to do with my, because there was a whole existence happening outside of these people that we worship. Imagine not having faith in that, not having belief in that and being just in the moment, in the true, in nature, in nature and its law. I don't, think people have ever experienced that i've certainly never experienced that but i think that's my new (laughs) it's my new kick (laughs) it's just so can i can i rid myself of all things that i believe that i either know aren't true or don't know if they are true and just go from there it's a healthy way to operate for sure and that also applies to things you believe about yourself. I think that's the most freeing. <laughs> and that's also the most sneaky. That's why I talk about uh, tuning here is that well, really I mean, it helps people get to the root of things they believe about themselves, like personality even, that is yeah, more conditioning than I, they I are actually say, true. I would say of all the people I've lied to in my life, <laughs> I've lied to myself more than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some of the judgment towards lying to yourself can be a little bit alleviated in the sense that there's, I'm sure, plenty of willful ignorance in in the self-deception. But there's also times where you thought you were right. And so we can go a little easier. imagine, Imagine a culture where you didn't have to lie. I don't have to lie about my resume. I don't have to lie about my history i don't have to lie everything i can i can just be honest must be nice we've, we've never experienced that but i i just think that's part of the cure for all this you know so yeah buddy so i'm gonna hit us up with our intermission we'll be about three and a half minutes you'll have a countdown timer on the screen i'll meet you back here buddy and we'll see everyone on the uh rock fin end and thanks for coming on it's been great first half absolutely man thank you Oh, yeah. And everyone check out Red Pill Sunday School. That's a YouTube channel. There's, like you said, education better than you'll get at any of these universities. Uh, yeah, go to Odyssey. Uh, YouTube keeps messing with me. So go to odyssey.com yeah. and it's Red Pill Sunday School. That's where I there keep you go. That's where I update stuff. So, <clears throat> all right, guys. See you guys all after the uh, intermission. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.